Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, there's a great spirit in the house today. A wonderful move, the Lord. There will be no class for the ages 6 to 11. Um, our Sunday school teacher is out sick this morning. Pray for Rachel. She's been very, very sick. All right, I'm reading from Luke chapter 22, verses 52 and 53. Amen. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and the captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, Be you come out as against a thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour. This is your hour and the power of darkness. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask your blessing, God, now upon the words I'm about to speak, the remarks I'm about to give, and I pray, God, your anointing come upon us, that you would minister to us, Lord, today, and lift our spirits. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. Why don't you shake a few hands and greet some folks. Welcome into the house of God this morning. Great to have our visitors with us. A great job that was with that song, Phoebe, and I like it even more because both Phoebe's song and my wife's remarks are right on target with what I'm about to say to you. So this is a great thing. I want to talk to you this morning on this thought, his finest hour. Someone once challenged Thomas Alva Edison by reminding him that he failed 25,000 times just trying to figure out a way to develop the storage battery. No, I didn't fail, the inventor replied. I discovered 24,999 ways that the storage battery does not work. 24,999 times, but he figured it out. He found a way to do it. He proved it could be done, despite all the negativism. Sometimes we don't even give it one try, and we've already made up our mind it isn't going to work, and there's no use trying. Sometimes we've given it a couple of efforts and tries, and then we throw in the towel and say, I give up, I quit, because I I can't make it. I've tried already a couple times, and it isn't going to work. It's just never going to work for me. But you got to keep trying until it does work. Amen, because it will. He, he received 1,093 patents for inventing devices such as the phonograph, motion pictures, the electric pen, wax paper, the, the light bulb, the incandescent lamp. Failure was no stranger to Edison, but he refused to accept it as a mark of permanent defeat. And during his long, remarkable career, 
He was inspired by the desire to make things work. At the time of his death, Edison left some 2,900 notebooks crammed with notes of his work and ideas for other things. For somebody who says there's got to be a way to make it happen, and I'm not going to quit until I find it, that is a powerful lesson in life. There was another great inventor, Charles F. Keatering, who suggested that we must learn to fail intelligently. He said, once you failed, analyze, analyze the problem, find out why, because each failure is one more step leading up to the cathedral of success. The only time that you don't want to fail is the last time you try. He also said, I'm not interested in the past. I'm interested only in the future, for that is where I expect to spend the rest of my life. So I want to talk to us about where we're headed and where we're going. There's an old cliche that says, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And I've got to hasten. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a 20-pound hammer this morning and a 5-pound nail. And, and I've got to work hard to get it all in there, amen, so that you can go home. But this old cliche says, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And there's nobody that's better at that than me. Uh, I, I confessed to you in a sermon recently about being the ultimate, the, the, uh, the consummate pessimist. And always, uh, always seeing the negative and everything. It's, it's quite known throughout the district and on the board. And I'm the guy that's going to see the, see the hole in the fabric, uh, even uh, when it doesn't seem to be one there. Uh, so I know very well what I'm talking about, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. But I am determined to find victory where victory ought to be found because greater is he that is in me and he that is in you than he that is in the world. And even though I feel piled on right now, I know that underneath all of that, God has an answer. He has a way forward, and he has victory. And I'm preaching to me this morning just as much as I am to anybody else who might need what I'm talk talking about. I believe snatching defeat from the jaws of victory is what we've done in Iraq. Our foreign nation, our foreign, our national foreign policy is in shambles. Europe is being overrun with refugees from Syria. Iraq has been partitioned off because of ISIS, and all of this is a direct result and byproduct of Islamic fundamentalism combined with U.S. foreign policy failure. We won the fight, but we lost the war. We've, we've snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. And what a shame that is. I'm convinced that we need an administration who believes in God and who knows what the Bible says about Israel. That's the kind of administration we need to shape any kind of foreign policy that will lead this country forward and bring this world out of the trouble it's in. Whether we get it or not, I don't know. I'm afraid the Republican Party is about to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory if we put the wrong candidate up. I'm afraid of these things are going to happen. But that's not what my sermon is about. i got something greater and bigger to talk to you about this morning. In a series of speeches, the late, great Winston Churchill said a number of fabulous things that will be remembered, and they're great cliches to hold on to. And uh, he delivered a speech 
called This Was Their Finest Hour speech. It was delivered by Churchill to the House of Commons on, on uh, June 18, 1940, just a month after he took over as Prime Minister. And uh, uh, in, in, in it was World War II had started, and, and Europe was being overrun by the Nazis and by Hitler. It was the first of three speeches he gave uh, uh, during roughly the period of the Battle of France, with the very beginning uh, of World War II, before the Battle of Britain, which launched the bombing raids, the bombing raids, and the Sky War over Britain. But uh, uh, leading up to uh, Dunkirk, uh, all of that time there, the first was the blood, toil, tears, and sweat speech of May 13th, given three days after the start of the German offensive in the West. And then, we shall fight on the beaches, and we shall fight in the country. That speech of June the 4th, uh, that reported the success of the Germans as they overran the Netherlands and Belgium and France. And then the evacuation of the, of the uh, British expeditionary force from Dunkirk, uh, which was preparing the British to continue the fight alone if necessary. At this point, Britain had no allies, the United States had not entered the war. And then this speech comes in, uh, was made before the House of Commons after France had surrendered and had sought an armistice. Now it was for certain that Britain was going to have to face the full might of Hitler and the Nazis all by themselves. And, uh, and uh, Churchill said, he said, I thought it right upon this occasion to give the house and the country some indication of the solid practical grounds upon which we base our inflexible resolve to continue the war. I can assure them that our professional advisors of the three services unitedly advise that we should do so and that there are good and reasonable hopes of victory. What, and he concluded his 23-page uh, speech with these remarks, what General Wagan called the Battle of France is over. I expect that the Battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of the Christian civilization. Upon it depends our own British life and the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward to the broad sunlit lands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to the duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its common worth wealth last for a thousand years, men will say this was their finest hour. Their finest hour. <clears throat> now, I want to say that our biggest enemy is fear itself. That is our biggest enemy. It is the biggest thing that stands in my own way of progress. <clears throat> and I believe it is the biggest thing that stands in anyone's way of success and of progress. The fear of failure. The fear of consequences. The fear of not being able to do something that you set out to do. Our biggest enemy is fear itself. <clears throat> my Bible tells me in Revelation 21 and 8 <clears throat> that there is no room in heaven for the fearful 
for the unbelieving, for the abominable, for the murders, for the fornicators, and so on and so on. No room in heaven. And it starts out for the fearful and for the unbelieving. But my Bible also tells me that God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. So fear doesn't come from God. When we're faced with fear, it's the grip of the enemy. It's the cold, clammy fingers of Satan wrapping around our mind to get a hold of the string of our heart and to get us to stop and to quit before we can even start. For you cannot win a race if you don't get in a race. You cannot win a race if you don't start running the race. You will always fail if you never run. You have to run to win. Hallelujah. There are many people, I believe, that are dealing with failure and the fear that comes out of failure and the fear that face to face tomorrow. Satan would love nothing more than to peg us to our past. Yes, you've made mistakes in your past. Yes, we have all done things that we're not proud of. Yes, we have fallen and slipped and failed and failed and failed again and probably will again and probably will again because that is life. That is humanity. That is the thing that we struggle against. Hallelujah. Amen. And Satan, if he can, would paint a picture of us that says you're nothing but a brilliant failure. If you can't serve to be anything else, you can serve to be a bad example to everyone. Amen. Of what a failure looks like. But oh, my friend, I want to tell you something. Amen. God didn't come to make us failures. He didn't plant His Spirit in us to cause us to walk away as a failure, but He put it in us to build us and to make us a success. Can you say amen, somebody? Hallelujah. We have got to push back against that spirit of fear that wants to hold us in its grip and bind us and keep us down and suppress us and make us to feel like there's no point in your life. There's no point in going forward. There's no point in dealing with any of this. Hey Amen. You're just a failure. There's some words of a song by 10th Avenue North. Amen. That grip my heart. The song is, You Are More. And uh, it starts out, it's a painting, a story picture. It says, there's a girl in the corner with tear stains on her eyes from the places she's wandered and the shame she can't hide. She says, how did I get here? I'm not who I once was. I'm crippled by the fear that I've fallen too far to love. But you don't know who you are and what's been done for you. You don't know who you are. You are more than the choices that you've made. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade. Well, she tries to believe it. Anybody ever come to church and you try to believe it? You try to get past it. You try to get over it. Amen. You've prayed about it. And you've trusted God. And you've repented. And you've tried to put it in your past. You've tried to put But now when you put your hands up and you try to worship, Satan is there in your mind trying to get you to think that you cannot be any good. She tried to believe it, that she's been given a new life. But she can't shake the feeling that it's not true tonight. She knows all the answers. And she's rehearsed all the lines so that she'll try to do better. But she's too weak to try. 
goes on with another verse. Because this is not about what you've done. It's not... It's but it's about what's been done for you. This is not about where you've been, but where your brokenness brings you to. This is not about what you feel, but what he felt to forgive you. And what he felt to make you love. Because you are more than the choices that you've made. You're more than the sum of your past mistakes. You're more than the problems you create. You have been remained. Hallelujah. Oh, my friend, amen, we fall into some traps. The fear of failure, the fear of of our past, the fear that holds us back, amen, that wants to keep us from being everything that God intended for us to be and desires for us to be. But, oh, God put desires in our heart, amen. He put them there for a reason. You hoped, you wanted, you wanted better, you wanted to achieve, and it is not past the doable. It isn't past the doable. We're faced with some why questions in our life. Another thing that holds us down are some why questions. I heard that remarked on all right in the song and what Sister Lefebvre said. Why? Uh, Why do certain things happen to us sometimes? Sister Carla Christian, I believe, is a good friend of my sister-in-law, Carolyn. And I've met her before, and she's just a fine, bubbly lady, and she wrote an article in the Pentecostal Herald talking about... Uh, about the joy, about joy, having joy in our life, learning to have joy in our life. We can, we can choose to be miserable. That's easy. Amen. It's easy to choose to be miserable when things are not going our way. Amen. But God didn't intend for us to be that way. He wanted us to have joy. He wanted us to have victory. He wanted to, us to embrace the promises of God. And, and if we do so with a sound mind and faith in God, there's no reason but to believe for the better. Why should we take the crumbs from the table when there's a full table and a buffet spread of all the stuff that's out there? And Satan just wants to say, you ain't nothing but a crumb stack. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. You ain't nothing but a crumb snatcher. But oh, we're children of God. And he put a place at the table. Amen. He even put a high chair at the table for babies in Jesus to eat at the table. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Christian said, said we're, we're blessed to have some wonderful cousins. Uh, Robin uh, was a good friend from youth camp. She married my husband's cousin, cousin, uh, cousin Donald. What a bubbly, positive, happy, joyful person she is. She loves life. One of the most caring persons I've ever met. Yet they've had to deal with so much heartache in their lives. They lost their first precious child, James Stewart, in the first year of his life to a rare form of leukemia. And then a few years later, they were blessed with another child. But after Austin was a few years old, Robin was diagnosed with MS, and it seemed so unfair. Uh, <clears throat> then another tragedy struck our wonderful cousins. Her only sister, Gay, and a, a, a great friend as well, was killed in an automobile accident along with her young son. Again, Robin and Donald stood strong. Donald then lost his mom with an aneurysm and then his sister to breast cancer. Their lives have been touched with so much unfairness. And although she fights with pain and with numbness and all the other effects of MS, struggling to even take a step, Robin does not talk about herself. I've watched her in awe. She worked along with everyone else at our daughter's wedding. She would pile flowers in her lap and motor past in her scooter chair, saying in her cheery tone, Isn't this fun? I just love helping. She exudes joy. Donald and Robin have not let the thoughts of their journey through life destroy them. They still serve God with all their mind. With all their might, they greet everyone with a smile, encouraging everyone 
around them. Oh, hallelujah. I, I want to say to you sometimes that one of the reasons why certain things happen to people, we cannot figure out why they happen. You know, and, and it's tough. I mean, we're faced with death. Uh, my mom just passed away a few months ago. I didn't want her to die. She didn't believe she was going to die. She went in the hospital believing to the day she died she would be healed. But she, she went. She went on to be with the Lord. And people come up to you afterwards and, you know, it's so awkward. What do you say to somebody when they've, when they've gotten devastating news? They've lost a loved one. They've lost a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a child. What do you say? It's become so cliche these days to say, I'm sorry for your loss. Twenty years ago, they didn't have that cliche. Never heard it. That's just a recent thing. But it's become so common that it's become cliche. I'm sorry for your loss, but what do you say? I mean, that... That says about all that you really can say. I'm sorry for your loss. And uh, it shouldn't, its meaning is true. It shouldn't be lost just because everyone says it and it's cliche. But it does not do very much to help comfort someone who is faced with that loss. It just doesn't. It doesn't. But some things, I believe, happen to us. And God allows things to happen to us because we are somebody that God is using as a signpost to help other people with their problems. The things that happened to me, I'm convinced, even though they were bad things that happened to me at times, I'm convinced that I came out better because of it. I, because I survived it, I came out better and stronger than I ever was. I learned things about life I never would have known if I didn't go through it. And now I am able to have confidence and to use the stuff, amen, that I've discovered to help other people when they're going through difficult things. So some things are for a reason. They are for a signpost to us. Hallelujah. And the, one of the hardest questions we'll ever be faced with is, you know, is death. You know, what, what happens when, when I'm going to die? What happens when I know I'm going to die? Or what happens to somebody that, that died before their time, you know, that we loved and respected, that there were godly people that walked with God and lived with God? And, and suddenly something takes over there and they're gone. They're taken from us. We don't have them anymore. And, and there's always this temptation to ask, why God? Isaiah tells us in this case, why? It's a why question. In Isaiah 57, 1 and 2 from the New Living Translation, it says, The righteous pass away, the godly often die before their time, and no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. For the godly who die will rest in peace. And when you think about the life of King Hezekiah, there is no better way to really appreciate and understand that scripture than to look at the life of King Hezekiah. He got sick. He was going to die. The prophet was sitting, told him, get your house in order. You're going to die and not live. But he had done great things in, in, in Israel, He had in Judah. He had turned the nation back to God. He had brought a revival to God. He had gotten, tore down the altars and tore down the idols of Baal and got people to worship in God again. If anybody ought to have lived, Hezekiah ought to have lived. He was living a godly life. And God, uh, God let him whine and moan and God uh, gave him 15 more years. And what did he do with the next 15 years of his life? 
he backslid. And when he died that time, he was lost. So God was trying to save him from the evil that was to come. So I, you know, when you lead people, you get all these questions. Why? 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 I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. And why questions are appropriate? Why questions are there? They're in the Bible. Why, God? Why, God? Isaiah says, in this case, there is a reason why. The reason why. God is sparing them from evil that is to come. Well, we don't know what that evil is, but God knows what that evil is. But here's the deal. None of us get to hang on to life forever. None of us get to hang on to life forever. And the end goal of all life is eternal life. And if we miss that, there's no point in having lived at all. Amen. And, and, and my, 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 I still, you know, I still have days when I cry. Tears come to my eye, and I'm sure I probably will. And you, anybody who's lost anybody knows what I'm talking about. You have days when just suddenly tears come to your eyes. I miss my mother. I miss her. And I'll just break down and cry. And you know, you've been there and you've done that. You know what I'm talking about. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. And when it happens, and I share it with my wife, my wife will tell me, she's told me many a time, she said, look, if your mother could come back to this life from heaven, she never would. She never would. Hallelujah. She is in a better place. Where she is is in a better place. Hallelujah. And I'm convinced that anybody that's ever gone there, anybody that's ever seen it for a few minutes, you know, I've spent nine minutes in heaven. Well, you know, they never want to come back. If they've ever seen it, they never want to come back. There's something there. We think this is all there is, and we desperately try to hold on to it for as long as we can. But when it's gone, it's gone. But there's something better. Hallelujah. There's something beyond all of this that is better than what we have. Now, uh, oh my goodness, I told you, time is out on me already. Hallelujah. John 2 and 4. John 2 and 4. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Amen. Jesus, the beginning of his miracles was done in Canaan of Galilee. His mother came to him and said, They don't have any more uh, a wine for the wedding, so, uh, you know, what can you do about it? He said, My hour is not yet. And then he turned the water into wine. In John 7, uh, chapter 30, uh, Jesus said, They sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him yet, because his hour was not yet come. And, and John 8 and 20, again, we read, and these words spake Jesus in the treasury, and he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. But oh, hallelujah, amen. Jesus did many wonderful things in his lifetime, from the beginning of his miracles, amen. Oh, hallelujah, he walked by the seashore, he called the disciples, leave your nets and come and follow me, and become fishers of men. Amen. He walked on the water, but that was not his finest hour. He broke the loaves and the fishes and he fed the 5,000 and the 7,000. But that was not his finest hour. He opened blind eyes. Amen. But that wasn't his finest hour. Blind Bartimaeus was healed. Not his finest hour. Demons were cast out. Not his finest hour. He commissioned the disciples to go and to preach. By the 70, they cast out devils. Still, not his finest hour. It wasn't his finest hour. Hallelujah. John 12 and 23. Jesus answered them and said, My hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that loses his life in this world shall keep it in the life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be. If any man serve me, let him. I, uh, uh, him will my father honor. Now this is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into the world. Where is Jesus? He's getting ready. Amen. For the passion. He's getting ready to suffer and to die. Jesus is preaching a sermon to Himself. And that is a metaphor to all that follow Him. He is saying, the hour has finally come. Amen. For the Son of Man to be glorified. It's finally come. Hallelujah. And, and, and it's got to get here. But how is it going to get here? Here's how. Here's a clue, people. If it doesn't fall in the ground and die, it can't do anything. But if one falls in the ground and dies... That grain of corn can bring forth much fruit. Hallelujah. Jesus' hour, His mission, His goal in life, His purpose from heaven, from the beginning of time, from the foundation of the world, in the mind of God before He ever created life or breathed life into the soul of man, was that Jesus would die to save the world, to save the lost. That he had to die and He had to be put in the ground so that it could bear fruit and we are the fruits. And if anybody said, will serve me, you've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow me. What's good for me is good for you. What I have to do, you have to do also. You've got to die. Paul said, I die daily. He said, my life, amen, is hid in Christ with God. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. He is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So what will I say in my hour? What will I say? Well, I say, Father, take this from me. Take this cup from me. What shall I say in this hour? Father, save me from this hour. Father, stop me from this hour. But no, He said, Amen. For this cause came I into the world. Jesus is one of those people that was a signpost to other people. What happened to him was a big sign out there. Amen. Of what amen can can be in our lives. Amen. The finest hour of Jesus was not a single miracle. It wasn't the power of life over death with other people. Amen. It wasn't calling Lazarus out of the grave. But it was going to the grave for us. It was dying on the cross for us. It was facing that for us. What was His darkest hour? What was His ultimate defeat? Was His greatest victory? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. To quote Eugene Wilson, if we look at the ministry of Jesus, we see failure upon failure. He invested large amounts of time in developing leaders. He lived with them and he lived what he taught in front of them. He empowered them. He sent them out and he knew that they would fail. And when they came back having failed, he taught them and mentored them and trained them again. And they failed again. 
and He didn't discard them. And they failed again, and He didn't give up on them. And He failed again and again, and He dressed the root of their failure, which was centered on wrong and false values that they had. But He permitted them to try and to fail. He permitted them to fail. But when they failed, He didn't quit on them. He didn't get up on them. And just because you failed, there's no reason for you to give up on Him and quit on Him. Just because I failed, there's no reason for me to leave and quit and give up. Hallelujah. He's got something greater. And then what is our darkest hour? What is in our deepest moment of, of, of trial and adversity? Amen. Can be our finest hour of success. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's stand together. I've got to close this morning. I've got to close. Let's stand together. Based upon our definition of success, Jesus' finest hour was His biggest failure. We use our numbers to compare ourselves to ourselves. Those with bigger numbers are deemed to be more successful and those with lesser numbers are deemed to be less so. But Jesus' success is seen in the faithfulness to His purpose. Hallelujah. Our success is faithfulness to our mission. To our mission. We haven't gotten there. We haven't seen the result. We've not done everything that we hope to do and want to do. Amen. There are blocks and hindrances and obstacles in our way. This year has been full of blocks and hindrances and obstacles for me and for this church. Hallelujah. But... But, hallelujah, amen, there's a but in there, hallelujah. There's a but there, hallelujah. And that but depends upon an if, hallelujah. And that if is hanging on the thread of a win, hallelujah. And when we will trust God and believe, amen, if we will take the steps, hallelujah. There can be a but to all the hindrances and obstacles and failures, and we can do it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The ultimate triumph of Jesus is John 17 and 1. These words speak Jesus and he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He had already been crucified and glorified. Now this is before he ascends into heaven, but he speaks as that Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son may also glorify thee. That hour has come. Hallelujah. Now, yes, you have some difficulties ahead of you. Dark days loom. You face trial and adversity. Maybe you're fighting, but you don't realize that all this fighting you're doing is to get out of a wet paper bag. Because really, there is no limit to God. There is no limit to God. He's not limited. He's not limited. He can't stop. be stopped because... We think something is impossible. We stop because we think something is impossible. I can't see how we're going to go ahead with this building program with all the things that are hitting me now right over it. But God knows the way. And He brought us here by miracles. And He can provide the miracles to get us to where we need to go. Hallelujah. And I've got to believe that. And I've got to hang on to that. And I've got to trust that. I know that God can do it. Hallelujah. I know He can Matthew 20 and 12. It 
saying, These last have wrought but one hour. Thou hast made them equal to us, which has borne the burden of the heat of the day. This is from that parable where the, the man went out and he hired people at the beginning of the day, and every hour he went out and hired some more people. At the end of the day, he paid them all the same. Paid them all the same. Amen. And those that have been working eight or nine hours and got the same pay as those that worked for only one hour complained and thought it was unfair. But Jesus said, they have said, Thou have wrought one hour, and thou hast made them equal to us. Well, I like that. Hallelujah. It, I like that because we're, we're at the tail end of all that, you know. <laughs> we're laboring here in the world at the end before the Lord comes back. We're at the very end of Listen, hallelujah, my reward is assured in heaven. Hallelujah. My reward, I'm going to, this is our hour. Hallelujah. It's our hour to, to be blessed. It's our hour to have prosperity. It's our hour to win, not to be defeated, but to win. Lord, are you trying to tell me something for Failure does not mean I'm a failure. It does, it does mean I have not yet succeeded. Failure does not mean I have accomplished nothing. It does mean I have learned something. Failure does not mean that I have been a fool. It does mean that I've had, I have had enough faith to experiment. Failure does not mean that I've been disgraced. It does mean that I dared to try. Failure does not mean that I don't have it. It does mean that I do have something in a different way. Failure does not mean that I'm inferior. It does mean that I'm not perfect. Failure does not mean that I have wasted my life. It does mean that I have an excuse to start over. Failure does not mean that I should give up. It does mean that I must try harder. Failure does not mean that I will never make it. It does mean that I need more patience. Failure does not mean that you've abandon me, it does mean that you have a better idea. Amen! Oh, let's worship God. I'm talking to somebody this morning that's had a hard time. You've got a hard way to go, either behind you or ahead of you. Satan is trying to squeeze the life out of you and destroy and take your joy and rob your faith and trust in God. Amen. He wants to convince you, amen, that it's over. But Jesus says it's just beginning. You're just getting started. This thing is just about to happen. It's not about to go broke. I'm about to fix it. I wonder if there's anybody here that will just worship with us. And celebrate with faith and victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's do a victory dance.